Henry Frost, <coughs> excuse me, said, there are times in the history of nations when a single man is of more value than a multitude of men. This is because quality is more valuable than quantity and because individual character is more effective than numerical force. Indeed, national life, good or bad, usually reduces itself to the question of a man. And so it was that Samuel, in his time, was the one great factor of life and righteousness between God and Israel. What made Samuel the kind of man that he was? What was it that stood out about him that would set him apart and that would be able to have things like that said about him? What stood more about him that people would recognize and know and see? Certainly there are many, many qualities in his influence, many things that set him apart as we would look and understand something about him and know what was going on. But there was one thing that if you and I as God's people would really take seriously, if we would get a hold of it and understand it and, and practice it and let it be the essential part of our life that would make a difference for our own nation, would make a difference for our own homes, our own churches, and the things that were going on. That was the prayer life of Samuel. Samuel was a mighty prayer warrior. He was a man of prayer. And he believed that prayer made all the difference in the world. He was many things. He was a prophet. He was a priest. He was one who was a judge. He was one who was used by God in many, many ways. But the thing that stood out, head and shoulders above everything else that he did, was his prayer life. What he did as he went to the Father and as he spoke with him heart to heart and dealt with the issues of his time, he made a difference by the power of prayer. And so can you and I, if we would truly and genuinely believe that and practice that, in our lives. I want us to understand that we're going to look at two quick verses or short verses, I should say. First Samuel 3:19 and then in chapter 12 verse 23, the first portion of that verse. So in First Samuel chapter 3 and verse 19 and then turning over to chapter 12 and looking at verse 23, first part of that verse. So I'm going to ask you once again that you would stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word and allow it to speak to you and to me as we listen to what God has to say to us this morning. In chapter 3, verse 19, the Bible says, Thus Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fail. And then in chapter 12, in verse 23, in the first portion of that verse, it says, for, Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you this morning that you have set before us mighty examples of, of those qualities of life that you desire in each and every one of us. Examples that are not superhuman, examples that are not beyond our capacity to uh, follow after and to exemplify in our own lives, but just challenges, just those who could set before us and let us see what it is like when we choose to surrender ourselves and be obedient to who you are and what you want to do in our lives. So, Father, I pray this morning that you would speak into our hearts the truths of what we would learn from Samuel's life and his example in prayer. I pray that you would just, Father, put such a deep burden upon our hearts that we would become a people of prayer. I'm not talking about the prayers that we pray at the dinner table when we have our meals or the prayers that we pray in a church service because someone calls on our name to pray or even those times when we think we're really being special and, and we have our morning devotionals and we spend a little bit of time with you. But rather, Father, a burden, a deep, growing 
vibrant burden that calls for us to plead with you for the souls of the lost, for the healing of our land, for our homes and our families, for our churches. A burden that will not release us, a burden that will not just be a passing moment of prayer and on to the rest of our life, but something that just finds itself taking root in our hearts and causing us to just be a people of prayer in all that we are, in all that we do. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. As you and I look at this and try to understand some of the things of Samuel and all the things that we have today that we would be able to recognize, I want to mention two or three things that stand out, I believe, about Samuel and his prayer life that we ought to hear, we ought to understand, and we ought to take to heart this morning so that we can become even more greater, more powerful in our prayer than maybe we already are. Not to say that many of you are not prayer warriors and aren't making a difference, but there's a place in each of our lives that we can do better. There's a place in in our hearts where we can grow more toward what God wants us to be in the matter of prayer. We can look at our nation. We can look at our world. We can even look at our own city and we can recognize the great huge need of a greater prayer life among God's people and what's going on as we would seek to understand. The first thing that stands out about Samuel and his prayer life was that he listened for the will of God. He had a heart that wanted to hear God's will and God's understanding, wanted to know what it was that God wanted to be a part. You see, one of the greatest hindrances that you and I have in prayer is that we don't bother to listen to God's will. We don't ask God, God, what is it that you want? What is it that you desire? What is your purpose for my life? What is your purpose for my family? What is your purpose for our church? What is it that you want? We just simply pray our desires. We pray our wills. We've made up our mind what we want, what we desire, what we long for, and we pray those kinds of things, but we fail to really seek God's heart and pray God's will. We don't listen to that. We're good at that. We hear what we want to hear. We understand, we, we take into account what we want. We do that as children. We only hear from our parents those things that we want to hear. We act like we didn't hear them when they told us we weren't supposed to do what it is that we did anyway. We, we don't want to be a part of that. We, we don't hear that. Spouses have a tendency to do that with one another. We don't always listen to one another. We don't hear what's being said. All we, we act like we're paying attention, but we're not really hearing what's being said. We're not hearing what's going on in the words that are being portrayed around us. We don't listen well as a people. We tend to only think about ourselves and, and what we want and being a part of it. But Samuel had a knack for listening to the will of God. He wanted to hear what God had to say. He wanted to know what it was that was on God's heart. And as he understood God's heart, he began and prayed those kinds of things. The scripture is so full of that. The Bible teaches us in the book of Romans in chapter 8 and other places that we could turn to. It talks to us about seeking the heart of God letting the Holy Spirit so unveil the heart of God to us that when we speak and when we pray, we are praying God's will upon earth. We always hear told to us that, that if we ask anything in God's name, in God's will, according to his character, it'll be done to us for us. But the problem is we don't hear what his will is. We don't ask what his will is. We, we can say, I pray this in God's name, and we get, we get confused. We even get angry with God because we don't get everything that we want and everything we ask for because we say, I, I pray this in Jesus' name. I prayed this, uh, what I believe to be God's will, but we didn't seek his will. Samuel listened to the heart of God. He listened to the heartbeat of what was about and what was going on. See, to listen truly means to, to hear the voice of God, to sense the spirit of the living God in our lives and have an attitude, a willingness 
to obey what we hear. That lets a lot of us out in a hurry there at last part. Not just to hear it, but to obey what God wants us to do. To take God's word, his teaching, and to obey it in our life as we looked at it. And that's what Samuel did in such a great... He listened. His whole life was devoted to hearing God and what God wanted him to do. He paid attention to the voice of God. The, the Bible says in John that God's sheep, his people, hear his voice and they know him. Because they're listening with ears attuned to the Father. They're listening not with hearing all the sounds of the world and all the things that are going on around them, but they're listening to the Father. They're listening to the Spirit of the living God as he speaks into their heart his truth, and they hear with a heart attuned to him, and they understand what God is saying about it. But not only did he listen, the Scripture helps us to understand. If we could look through, I don't have time this morning to do a survey of Samuel's life through Samuel, but uh, as we would look and understand, we would discover that he obeyed that which God told him. It wasn't always easy to do what God said for him to do, uh, but he did it. Charles Kinsley once said that there, there are two kinds of freedom. There is false freedom, which is the right to do whatever I desire to do, and there is true freedom, which is the right to do what I ought to do, to do the right thing to do the thing that God wants me to do, to be the kind of person that God has called me to be and to live in the demonstration of faith that God has asked me to live within as I try to be a, a man of God, a, a person of God, as we look and understand that he listened. He, he, his message that he got from God was not always easy. Samuel had a hard time obeying God because of the things that God asked of him. He would be asked for, to be able to pronounce judgment upon his mentor, the man who had been, uh, in a sense, his father as he was left at the temple, you'll remember, as a child. And he was there, and he had to pronounce judgment upon his mentor and, and upon his children because of their disobedience before God as he looked at it. His message throughout time as he lived out his life and as he worked hard to try to get people to know God was constantly a message of judgment because of their sinfulness and their unwillingness to walk with God and to trust God. And he had to continually speak to them about the judgment of God because they wouldn't turn their hearts to God. He even had to announce judgment upon the king that he himself had anointed to be the king of all of Israel, the first king that they would have. And he had to stand before this king whom he had anointed, whom he had loved, and he had to tell him that you are no longer in favor with God. You're no longer what he listened to what God said, and it wasn't easy to do what he said to do, but he did it because he walked obediently before God. See, to walk in obedience is not just simply to do what we're told to do, but to do it according to the plan of God, to do it the way God says do it. As we look at that and, and as we understand that, the Bible teaches us that it's the, the, uh, the ability to, to fulfill the task, that which helps us to be the people God wants us to be, is not so much just doing the task, but it's doing it the way God wants us to do it. it it's, it's so important that you and I, in obedience, set before us those things that are there. The world would say to you and to me today that life is short. Make the most of it for yourself. Cram all the pleasure you can into what you're doing because you don't have much time and you need to get the most out of life you can possibly get. God would say to you and God would say to me this morning that life is short. Let it count for something that lives for eternity. Let it count for something that will be here even after time is gone. 
Let it count for the glory and the power of the living God and all that's going on. Be obedient to the things of God. Folks, if you and I today would determine to be obedient before God, if we would actually do the things God tells us to do and walk in the way God tells us to walk, we could make such an impact upon our world. The world would never know the kind of tales that would be told about it. We read about great movements. We hear about great revivals. We have heard stories again and again. And even as Brother Wolf told us, the story of the Gideon work and all the things that are there over and over those stories can be multiplied again and again and again at the mighty work of God's word as he's touched lives around the world it is a powerful thing when God's people are obedient to the things of God and the things that he wants us to do it changes people it changes homes it changes churches it changes societies when we walk in obedience before God if you and I would be a people who would put our hearts with an intent I will hear the voice of God I will not cease seeking him and I will not cease searching after him until I get a word from him and when I get that word I will be willing to do whatever that word says for me to do I will be obedient to that the reason many of us never really hear the voice of God and, and understand the will of God is because in our heart, God already knows that we're not going to be obedient to what he reveals to us. It may not be something that we find that we're interested in. It may not be something that we find fits our nature. It may not be something that we feel is going to be comfortable for us. It may ask of us to do some things that we're not willing to do. And so we don't really pray with a desire, God, I want to know your heart, your will, what you desire for me in my life, what you desire for my family, what you desire for my church, my community. I want to know your heart. And as I listen and as I seek to hear and as I tune my spirit with your spirit so that there is communion between us, I Offer myself in obedience before you to do that which you've asked me to do, to be that kind of person that you call me to be and being a part of it. That's what God desires of us if we're going to pray. We have to be willing, first of all, to listen and tune in. God, what is it that is your will for my life? And as I pray that, I have to have a heart that is willing to say to the Father, as you open up your heart to me, as you reveal to me those things that you desire from me for your glory, I surrender. I submit. I am under your authority. I choose to obey whatever it is you place in my life, whatever you call upon me to do and to be. But there's another thing that stands out in Samuel's life that really, I think, comes to that place that, that we need to hear as God's people and, and bring to heart more than these other things. I know a lot of times people would say, you're, you're preaching to the choir. We know about prayer. We know we're supposed to pray. We pray. We do these and we do those kinds of things all the time. I'm not really sure that's true of any of us, but we like to say that. But what isn't often true for us is what he said in that verse that I read out of chapter 12 when Samuel said, God forbid, God forgive me. But he said, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against God by not praying for you. Wow. Of all the things that Samuel witnessed in his life, of all the works that he had seen in man and all the horror of the works of man and all the disobedience and the things that were there, the thing that frightened Samuel, that contributed to his desire to be a man of prayer was his understanding 
It is a sin not to pray. And it is a sin not to pray for those in whom God puts on our heart to be a part of it. See, he said, that sin, God, don't let me sin against you by not praying for the you. Do you understand what he's saying? Samuel recognized that God had put in our hearts a need for one another and a recognition that the only way that we can be all that God wants us to be is if we pray for one another. I don't have the strength to do all that God called me to be. I don't have the ability to accomplish everything that is there in my life that's been set before me. God has that strength. God has that power. But it's endowed upon me through the power of prayer. It is the ministry of prayer that makes the difference. It is the ministry of prayer that changes things. We don't need greater armies of people doing more church ministries. Certainly we need to be doing things. We ought to be doing far more than any of us ever thought about doing. But none of those things will ever matter until they are so bathed in prayer that they are in the power of the Holy Spirit and they move according to the power of the living God because nothing that you can do and nothing that I can do will ever make any impact upon this world. But what God can do, what God can do will change a man's heart from being lost to saved, from being in the darkness to light, from being blind to being able to see, from being lame to being able to walk. What God can do can make all the difference in eternity. And God is ready and willing to pour out his spirit upon his people. He's ready and willing to pour out his spirit upon his church, upon God's people's families and the things there. He's ready to do mighty works. The Bible says, pray unto me, call unto me, and I will show you great and mighty things that you've not known. Can you imagine that? Bible says the promise of the living God in Jeremiah is that if you will call upon me, if you'll seek my heart, if you'll pray out your heart to me in seeking my will, I will show you things far greater than anything you've ever known or imagined. I can't even begin to imagine. I have read about some mighty, mighty works of God. I have had the privilege occasionally overseas to see some mighty movements of God. But the Bible says nothing that I have seen, nothing that I have read about, nothing that I have heard about even compares to what God's ready to do. If we'd call upon his name and pray. And Samuel said, you see, he had a consistent desire, a compassion for his people. And he prayed for them. God, I don't want to sin against you by not praying for these people. Now, did they appreciate his prayers? Rarely. They didn't like to hear what he had to say to them. They didn't like his messages. They didn't like his words of judgment from God. They didn't uh, appreciate the fact that he seemed to always have to be telling them something they were doing wrong instead of being able to just pat them on the back and say, oh, what good people you are. But every single time without exception that they found themselves in dire need, they went to Samuel. Because they knew Samuel prayed and they knew Samuel prayed for them and they knew Samuel had a heart for God and for God's people and so they went to him when they need I wonder today if there's any of us in this room that if someone in this city or if this town as a whole were to find themselves in such drastic need they would just automatically say go to this person they'll pray for you They are praying for you. They will pray for you. And God hears their prayer. And you say, God hears everybody's prayer. Yeah, he does. But the Bible says in Psalms that if we entertain sin in our life, God doesn't listen. He's not going to answer your prayer. He's not going to answer my prayer as long as I'm living in sin 
not willing to be clean and pure before him. As long as I'm not doing the things, as long as I'm not being obedient to the acts of God that's there, he's not going to listen. But we all know there's some people that we, that we have encountered, people that we know, and maybe you're one of them, and if you are, thank God for you, that has such a heart for prayer that you just walk in tune with the spirit of the living God. And when you pray, things happen. And God hears. That's what it is. The Bible says, Jeremiah talked about Samuel in, in his book, in chapter 15, and he says that God talked about Samuel as being one of the two great intercessors of the Old Testament, Moses and Samuel. In the Psalm 99, the Bible says that Samuel was one of those kind of people that God listened to. Why? Because he had a heart for God. Because he listened to God and because he had a heart for his people. They didn't deserve it. They weren't worthy of it, but he loved them and he wanted them to know God and he wanted them to experience the fullness of life and he wanted them to walk in the abundance of all that God had for them. And so he prayed for them consistently and faithfully. He prayed when he was a child. You'll remember that I told him as he was being called by God, tell God, here am I, speak, Lord. And that could be written across Samuel's life from the time he was three to the time he died. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. What about you? What about me? Are we listening to the voice of God? Are we willing to be obedient to the things God opens up before us? And do we have a genuine compassion for one another? How much time do you spend praying for the people in this church? For your staff, for your teachers, but not just for those in leadership, for one another, your brothers and your sisters. How much time do you plead with God for blessings in their life and hope to be full in their hearts? How much time do you plead for God to just be real to them in every area of their life? See, we are called to pray for one another, to be intercessors for one another. And today, if you and I could make that kind of a commitment, if we could say, I want to be that individual, I want to be that person that God can count upon, that God can know my heart belongs to him, my heart will, wants to hear him, my heart wants to obey him, my heart wants to plead with him in behalf of my brothers and sisters in Christ. I want God to pour himself out upon my brothers and sisters. I want God to bless my family. I want God to bless my church. I want God to bless my town. I want God to bless my country if my people, who are called by my name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways and pray. Then, and not until then, folks, then I will hear, will listen, and I'll bring healing to their land. God's waiting on people who will pray. Are you one of them? Could you join me in prayer? Father, this morning as we listen to the heart that you have set before us and shown us in Samuel, wow, what an example of a heart attuned to God. 
His life was not easy. His life was not one not filled with problems and controversies and issues and times in which people wanted to be rid of him and not have anything to do with him. But the heart cry that he had was, God, don't let me sin against you by not praying for your people. I would pray today, Father, that you had said it in our hearts that at least one of us or some of us or even all of us would determine, God, don't let me sin against you by not praying for my family, for my church, for my city, my nation, your world. I pray that in Christ's name. Amen.